Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the post-intentional walk edition of Sharing Socks. I am Southside Sox duty geezer, Lee Allen, and I will point out I am two years younger than Tony LaRusa. What I have to say about him is not ageism. With me, my son and West Coast correspondent, possibly involved in ageism, Will, and uh, we are recording on Friday after the Dodgers series, which means after a, (laughs) well, the debacle uh, of the one-two count intentional walk to Trey Turner that led to the three-run home run by Max Muncy, uh, the decision made by a manager who apparently did not know that Bennett Souza has reverse splits. <laughs> Left-handers hit him to 300 and right-handers to 231. But never mind that, Tony. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and just get into how pissed I am about this one um so okay so you got the one and two count you got Trey Turner yeah okay Trey Turner's pretty good so getting him in a one two count is a good place to be against Trey Turner I understand there are situations where you intentionally walk Trey Turner maybe maybe I I'm still not convinced that you ever really walk Trey Turner Maybe maybe if the splits are right and there's runners on second and third and two outs, you walk. Well, an unintentional, intentional walk. Yeah, exactly. The thing that, well, okay. So he calls for this intentional walk. It backfires very badly. Very, very badly. Pretty much as badly as it can backfire. And what 
is crazy to me is after the game, he says, is anyone out there actually questioning that decision? That was a no-brainer. And I'm like, did you see Trey Turner have no clue what the hell was going on? He was so confused that anyone would intentionally walk anyone on a one-two count. I, I mean, I, what? What? Yes, everyone is questioning it, Tony. It was a terrible decision. And he's talking about, well, you know, you've got this matchup versus this matchup. So it actually made the most sense. It was a clear, obvious decision. Well, yeah, sure, it would be if Souza didn't have intensely reverse splits. So don't act like you understand that. And then your argument. Well, he was just cherry picking stats he wanted for, for his argument. Exactly, exactly. You know, it was it was the very, you know, um, a new poll came out and the Trumpian people uh, find their own way to analyze such poll uh, in their favor. It felt very much like that kind of thing of like, no, that was the right decision. Everyone knows it was. And these three facts are what led to that decision that is inarguable. It's just absurd. And while I don't personally subscribe to ageism, I do a podcast with a guy named Geezer. I feel like I'm overall pretty welcoming uh, to the concept of older people. Uh, I can't blame this decision on age at all. What I can blame it on is being a crap, crap, crap manager. And And that is what he is. As far as the press conference went. I I think there is an age factor and a time away from the game factor in that there are statistics available in real time now. Somebody's sitting there on a computer with the Sox had a guy, Shelby, what's his name, who's hired because he's the son of Tony's best friend or something. Um, they can provide all the data you want instantly. And, you know, maybe you send the, your pitching coach out to the mound while you study the, the numbers or something. But You don't even have to <laughs> study just, them. This game, this game is so stat-based. We have stats for every single scenario possible. That guy, the stat guy you're talking about, they don't have to study anything. He just looks down and says, don't do this. The stats don't support that. I, I think, I think that uh, the Hall of Famer baseball person is such an incredibly arrogant jerk that he probably does not listen to that guy. He of probably course. does not listen to his bench coach. He probably doesn't even listen to Jerry Naren, who is there, I, I think, only to hold his hand. I don't know what other purpose he has in this world. I mean, other than probably being a nice granddad or something, but in the dugout, he has no purpose. Well, we all, we all <laughs> and, and it's strange this that this is, I mean, Lewis has been mismanaging all year badly. I mean, in that game, he let Dylan Cease, who obviously had totally lost it, throw 45 pitches in the fifth inning, getting clobbered the whole time, being typically Dylan Cease cruising along in a game until something went wrong. Berger makes an error, and suddenly he loses it. He can't pitch anymore. Uh, it is the history of Dylan Cease. I, I've said many times I wish Giolito had taken him aside, maybe communicated in the offseason and said, look, these guys did wonders for, for my head. 
maybe you ought to talk to them, see if they'd help you untense, you know, deal, deal with things better. Possibly. I don't know if Giolito and Caesar friends or what, but if, if they are, Lucas should have said that. Um, because Cease is from the neck down a perennial all-star candidate and from the neck up a perennial DFA candidate. And something needs to be, that's management, incidentally. Managers should should okay. this. One, one quick thing, though, about that from the head up thing, DFA candidate. That mustache is, pr- that's big leaks. Well, yeah, that's, no, that, that's true. It's the mustache. Has to okay. Stay. You, you, okay. You've got All right. I, I was going to say. But those, it's not like this isolated incident and all of us jump, all of us in the fan world jump on LaRusso because of one critical mistake. All managers make mistakes. Dave Roberts on Tuesday lost that game. Now, I don't know that the Dodgers would have won anyway since they didn't score in nine innings. But he made it an easier Sox victory by misplaying uh, a four-run inning, misshifting Abreu for some bizarre reason, and then for some reason deciding not to go ahead and pitch to Gavin Sheets, who hasn't had a hit since Memorial Day, <laughs> um, and instead bring in David Price, who was a huge star a decade ago. Uh, but has not been very effective for the last few years Um, and can only face, and obviously is going to face a right-hander because we've got right-handed hitting on the bench. And then after that, it's going to face all right-handers. So Roberts blew that game, but I don't think there's a history of Roberts blowing games like there's a history of La Russa. But wait, you're on Twitter. I'm not. I, I got is, I got off Twitter, but I do still check in from time to time. Okay, and my understanding is that Twitter and even the the Larusa fanboys got disgusted with this one. Of course, of course. I, you, how many baseball games do you think you've watched in your life? Just just major league, or yeah, let's say just major league. I don't know. Thousand. No, 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 I'm including television. Oh, including television. Many thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Many thousands of baseball games. Do you have any recollection whatsoever of an intentional walk on a two with two strikes and only one ball? Do you have any recollection of that? No, I, I have recollections of intentional walks that come in the middle of an at bat. Sure. Sure. But I don't believe on a one, two count. No. No, I I can firmly say I have never seen it. I have never seen it. Even in the the steroid era, when intentional walks were as as common as singles, it was never on a one-two count. I mean, even if you got Barry Bonds on a one-two count, you still were going to try to actually get Barry Bonds out. It's, It's absurd to intentionally walk someone on a one-two count. I thought about doing it last night in softball uh, when when the biggest guy on the team came up and I got that that second strike. You start with the one-one count. I thought about just putting him on, but I still didn't do it because it's insane to do it. <laughs> uh, and then to just back yourself, to pat yourself on the back for that decision. I mean, what the heck are we doing? What are we doing with this clown show garbage manager? But what we know it's not going to stop because we know that Jerry Reinsdorf's entire life has been 
dedicated to tax avoidance. He was a tax attorney who helped others avoid taxes. Then he went into avoiding taxes for himself. He went into sports because it's a tax avoidance industry. And the big tax avoidance for him right now, I can't, you know, I'm speculating, total speculation, Jerry. I'm speculating that the big tax avoidance right now is the rule that appreciated items are inherited at the value when the person dies, which would mean, in his case, his kids would get, he owns about 20% of the team. So let's say three, 400 million that they have no capital gains to pay on. They'll have inheritance tax, but not capital gains to pay on. Whereas he paid about seven cents, they'd have to pay capital gains on all of that hundreds of millions. He knows that he's a professional at avoiding his responsibilities to the world, which means avoiding his taxes. So I, I don't see a possibility of him selling before he dies. I don't see a possibility of Kenny Williams or Rick Hahn ever having an iota of self-esteem, one drop of testosterone that says, I quit. They should have done it when LaRusso was hired behind their backs, when the DUI was behind their backs. If they had any manhood to them, they quit then. Well, now we're two years later almost, and we see that the man is totally incompetent. Rick Hahn should be going in there. Williams should be going there and saying, look, either he goes or we go. But they won't. They won't because they are total empty suits. The whole organization is a horrible, incompetent mess. I, I mean, you know I don't like to agree with you on this podcast. <laughs> and I have to say, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I think the, the big issue there is if Han or Williams walk into that office and say it's him or us, it's them. They're going. I think it is. But these are guys, <clears throat> Han, at the initial time when, when Lusa was hired, had just been voted executive of the year. They're not out of work. Now, maybe right. Rick's kids have gotten used to their school and they like it, you know, and so they don't want to move to where he becomes general manager of the Mets, which would probably have been what happened. Um, he could have become general manager of the Cubs, I think, at that point. Uh, wouldn't have even had to move. Uh, but these guys, it's not like they're out of work. And it's not like, well, they're just kind of scraping by. And they can't go six months without a paycheck because they only got paid twenty million in the last five years or whatever it may be. I don't know. I, they disgust me. Han, Han and Williams disgust me. And, and they're and, not and even. Reinsdorf is an understandable, arrogant, stick it to everybody else in the world jerk. And basically the same thing for Larusa. But those two guys in the middle, they just disgust me. And and they're virtually non-existent. That's the other thing that's so strange. We don't hear anything from Williams. We don't hear anything from Han these days. In what situation do you have a team that is supposed to be great, that is absolutely hobbling through uh, what should be a, a pretty easy season to win your division, and you don't hear a peep from these guys while your manager is making universally agreed upon awful decisions that are costing you games and your players are getting hurt left and right, how do you never hear from Williams or Hahn? 
I mean, we just, it's silence. It's silence. Well, Han, Han has a press conference, I think, at the start of every homestand or something like that, but it's pap. It's, 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 exactly. There, there are no answers to questions. And, and Exactly. And we don't hear, when these things happen, we don't hear their reactions. We don't hear their spin on it. And it's because whatever they have to do, they know they have to get up there and lie. And they're too cowardly to get up there and tell the truth and talk about the train wreck that this team is right now and that La Russa is. Um, all right, we got to take a break. That first half flew by. Um, <laughs> that happens when Tony makes horrible decisions. So I guess at least let's uh, thank him for that. Um, After, so let's afterward, look, let's get to the team itself. Some of the things yeah, on the players. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll move on from our our griping about Tony, which I'm sure all of our listeners, including Tony, uh, agree we are a hundred percent right about. And uh, he has got to go. He's got to go. And we are going to go briefly here on sharing socks. We will be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. Uh, we spent the first half of this podcast lovingly discussing our intentional walk on a, a one-two count, something I always dreamed of as a uh, <laughs> baseball player, especially in high school when I found myself behind the count every time. Uh, it would have been real nice for some guy to just put me on base, but... It's the stupid and wrong decision. So even 16-year-olds knew not to do it. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Let's let's talk about the the actual team of the White Sox and uh, what's going on and what you know. Well, I I made the mistake of looking at some data this morning. Oh, bad night. move. See, I, I'm gonna let ageism go in here. Never <laughs> look at data before lunch about the White Sox. Never look um. at data. Lunch. Interestingly, in that, it, it, and I don't know why I never looked at this column. I guess because it's on the very far right of Fangraphs fielding stats for teams. But we know the White Sox are a horrible fielding team. Of course, it came up again on, on Thursday with Jake Berger, I don't know, playing statue for for most of the game out there, trying to atone with a one-run homer, but not quite enough. Uh, it's a one thing about it. Cease gave up no earned runs in the six-run inning. I'm sorry, that's a statistical should not be you know yes it's like they should be half earned because if after the year you give up four hits and a walk it's kind of on you too as well as the fielder but anyhow brad they they have many of course stats in fielding and in almost all of them both whether it's fan graphs or baseball reference uh, defensive runs saved or lost in the in the white sox case range factors, be it Uzer or Artot, uh, the Sox are 27th or 28th. Usually they're 28th, last in the American League, but ahead of uh, Philadelphia and the Giants. But then Fangraphs has this thing now, and I think it's fairly new, it's just called DEF, which I presume means defense, um, and they're dead last. I mean, it's not even close, dead last. And then uh, baseball reference, 
has one that, that it's kind of a compilation, dead last, the worst fielding team in baseball. Yeah, substantial problem that Rick Hahn likes to get guys who can't catch. But, you know, that's on your manager too. You're supposed to work on these things. You're supposed to. And I've, I've looked up individual uh, D-War. And they're last in D-War. Uh, the only positive, Reese McGuire. Uh, Luis Robert on one time that I looked was even a negative, which can't be because of his catching or his range. But his throws go by way of the moon. And it, that could be cutting down on that. When, if you watch the, the aerial view, usually on the, on the replay, not, not on the live action, but there'll be an aerial view of a hit to the outfield and it'll show the runner coming from second base. Runners who have not touched third yet are consistently sent home on White Sox outfields, except for Adam Engel. They're sent home on all of short field. Not, we're not talking something off the wall. We're talking routine play that the outfielder is coming in on and it has a fairly, they go home. Sox have a kind of an average in outfield assist, but that's because they're being sent home 10 times as often as it gets. Right. It's, it's, a, lot it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier. Anyhow, uh, the, that, that, that was, I mean, that, that's just, <laughs> that's just crazy that it keeps going on. Uh, they tried Yohan Moncada as a defensive replacement, which is an interesting thing to do when you're behind. Uh, but, um, you know, maybe necessary. Yuan's hitting what just nothing. I mean, he's, he's barely alive. It, it, it's it's sad. The Mukata situation is just sad. This yeah, I mean, like I mean, anybody wants to look at long haul COVID, this he's he's the poster child. Um, and and I I think you know you, as you know I'm a huge Mukata guy. Like I I have been of of all the White Sox memorabilia I own at least two thirds is Moncada based. I, I've loved this guy for years. He is a shell of the player he was in, in 2019, 2020. Like there is, there's no energy ever. You know, he, he does show us these glimpses of being a great fielder, uh, but then shows us immediately after uh, some sort of loafing, to a ball that he should get and and not making the play our our fielding it's it's unbelievable it's unbelievable it's so much worse than you know most little league teams <laughs> like your good little league teams play better defense than this and these are professional baseball players and i agree with you it 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 comes down to management it comes down to management. These guys clearly are not working on these things. These are professional baseball players. And in many circumstances, these are all-stars. These are all-stars. These are also gold glovers. I mean, Luis Robert, why, why can't he throw the ball? He is a gold glover. And I realized that... Well, with a very strong arm. With a cannon of an arm, which tells you... No one is working on those throws. No one is working on those throws. There is absolutely no excuse for for Luis Robert to be run on on a, a shallow fly ball, which well, happens there's the, now. There's the fact that hitting the cutoff man is apparently 
And then that's strange, you know, because LaRusso's hung up in 1986 on data, on, on hitting. I'd say in 1986, you really stressed hitting the cutoff man. I, I yeah. believe that was a real key part of baseball. And, I mean, it's it's barely ever done. And it's when like it happens, it, the guy gets, the runner will get thrown out because the opposing team is so shocked. Um, it's that uh, hitting. Batting average, 16th. So just about average. Middle middle of the ranks. And that's, that's really On base percentage. Batting averages, though, are just way down. So even though we're 16th in batting average, it's it's not it's not a number to be okay with. Right. The league, yeah. league average is 241. We're 239. The on-base percentage, 27th. Why is that? Why? Because we are dead last in taking walks. Um, so our, our OPS... 27th, uh, only ahead of the Pirates, the Tigers, and the A's. Not good company. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised we're ahead of them. I, I really am because we walk never. We And we also don't hit home runs. <laughs> yeah. Well, not a lot. No, that's about it. But, no. you know, what, what shows up, and I've looked fairly often at pitch counts. I like pitch counts because we've discovered that the Sox are the least efficient team in the major leagues on how many pitches they throw per inning. And how many times, and this happened again, the the Tuesday game that the Sox won, where it was nothing, nothing for five, their pitcher had thrown, I think, 60. Our pitcher, Michael Kopech, had thrown 90. That's a typical White Sox game. Uh and it's, of course, we give away a lot of walks. Uh, we're, uh, did I misplace this? Probably did. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, we, we're, we're giving away a, a lot of walks. And, and I, I'm just, do you have an answer for what it, why we throw so many more pitches? Do you know why? Is it, I can't figure it out. Is it just, it's not that these guys don't have command. I mean, Michael Kopech has command. And and Dylan Cease, when he's on, has command. Is it a philosophical thing that they are just like, don't throw strikes? Or or are they, is it philosophical that they say, get these guys to three and two every time? I, For me as a pitcher, in my past days and currently in my softball days, uh, I cannot wrap my head around it all the idea of being okay with 3-2 counts and getting to 3-2 counts all the time. I mean, I'm a huge believer as a pitcher of make them hit the ball before you get them to a 3-2 count. Like, no free passes at all. Is it philosophical? Is it is it Cats? Is it La Russa? Why are the White Sox pitchers – I mean – when guys are having great starts for the White Sox, great starts, I'm doing finger quotes for those not watching. Uh, how come in these great starts they're going four and two thirds? You know, this is not sustainable. We we have, yeah, we have 26 players instead of 25 now. You got an extra bullpen guy. Well, one extra bullpen guy doesn't get you five innings. Every and day. incidentally, the bullpen limits the limit on number of pitchers amongst your 26 
keeps getting pushed back. It was supposed to go to 13 at the end of last month. I think it's now the 20th of this month. But eventually it's going to go to its where it's 13 instead of the 14 you're allowed right now. So that's even more pressure on, on the bullpens and, and more reason not to throw 20 pitches an inning instead of 15. Uh, doesn't sound like a lot at one moment, but it adds up in a It's in a, a big ton. Hurry. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I I just don't understand it. I watch all these other games. And, and because I mostly watch White Sox games, I have in my head that the game has changed and people just throw way more pitches now, which there's a little bit of truth to that uh, from our three outcome games. Pe- people are much more afraid of leaving the ball out over the plate. But I watch other games and their starters – do not throw 100 pitches in four innings. And it really feels like a sickness within our franchise. This whole starter throws 110 pitches through five. And then, you know, the bullpen comes in and has to pitch half of every single game. I mean, we've had one starter go and make it through the seventh, I think, this year. That's insane it's june 10th it's june 10th this is not april 8th one of the other things on that with the inefficiency we have to go back to last year where i truly believe louisa cost us the playoffs by overworking our pitchers despite all the mornings about we're coming off a short season you got to be careful on how much you use these guys so that our pitchers went over 100 pitches a game far more often than any other team in baseball until the, the phillies got desperate in september and caught up uh but this is the same thing, particularly for Kopech, because he is, in essence, coming off a short season. Uh, you got to be careful. Yes, I, I still think we're going to win the division, although I really think now that Cleveland Cleveland is the team to watch out for. They they are playing of course. good baseball. They are the best defensive team in baseball. Uh, they always have pitching. And now they've got a bunch of guys that can hit a little bit. Uh, it's not just Jose Ramirez and wait till he comes up for the next time around. Um, so I think Cleveland's a, a comer, uh, better than Minnesota, which, I mean, Minnesota's entire starting pitching staff, I think, is, is, is I mean, gone. We, uh, um, we got to wrap this up, but I, I got to say, I, I do not think, I cannot firmly say now that I think we're going to win this division. It, I've been saying that, yes, I think we will this whole time, every week on this podcast. I am no longer in that mindset. Bangress, uh, uh, 538 says 33% chance. 33% 32, chance. 32. 32% chance of winning. The so race. less than 33. All right, we got to wrap it up. Do you have any uh, final thoughts before we sign off after this bummer of a week? No, well, yeah, we've got Texas for three at home, Detroit for three on the road. It could be a six-game winning streak if the manager figures out how to do a lineup and then make decisions. So it definitely will not be a six-game winning streak is what you're saying. You heard it here first on Sharing Socks. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, We really appreciate it. We will be back next week, hopefully with some good news about good decisions that uh, the Hall of Fame baseball person has made. But uh, I wouldn't plan on that as we move forward. Uh, But thank you for listening, and we will see you next time on Sharing Socks.